It's about time because we're going there. Welcome back to another episode of We're Going There. I am your host, Bianca Wattis-Oltoff, and today we're throwing a curveball. Today, we are going to talk about quitting. I know, I know, friends. Listen, the entire season has been about not quitting and building resilience and endurance, but this is the point of the season where we have to have some hard and honest conversations because the truth of the matter is you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. Today, I'm so excited because the tables are being flipped and I'm actually going to be interviewed by Amy Ayala. Amy is on staff at the Father's House, Orange County. She oversees our podcast at the church, as well as a host of other things, including creating resources for the church and loving our online community. Amy, can I just say thank you for being on the show and thank you for turning the tables and making me feel awkward and uncomfortable. Oh, no. Thank you for having me on. I like putting you on the hot seat. So this is an (laughs) honor and a privilege. So thank you so much for having me on, Pastor B. I love it. I love it. Let's go. Okay. So I know that your book is Grit, Don't Quit. You riled me up and I'm like, God, I'm never quitting in my life. Like, I'm never (laughs) going to quit ever again. And, you know, I'm actually going to tell the family here a story if that's okay with you. Please, I'm going to tell a story please. about you. Okay. Story time. About you. Like, I'm going to put you on. Oh. The- <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I'm nervous. Okay. Okay. No. But, you know, Pastor B, one of the things I really appreciate about you and our relationship is that you make me think. I don't always think. I just mm. do. I'm a feeling. I'm a I'm a passion person. I'm going to do it. And so, before we, I, I got hired on the TFH, we had a meeting together. And she goes, I need you to process through everything. I'm going to tell you everything. If anything, this meeting is more for me than for you. And you told me, this is the point where you can quit and walk away and there's no there's no there's no feelings and when I was reading your book I was like okay that makes a lot of sense why she was saying what she was saying and you know you actually added this section at the end of your book where it's like five questions to ask before quitting and I said if this isn't Pastor B I don't know what is that you're making us think and you're making us Mm. process why did you feel a need first of all I would love for you to walk us through those questions but why did you feel a need to actually include include that in your book that's called grit don't quit Okay. So I think for everyone listening out there, I'm going to provide a little bit of color and context for that conversation because I'm sure they're like, wait, why? Before were you hired, did Bianca tell you to quit? Okay. So a little bit of context. When you step into anything, especially something that feels like it's a calling, you have to count the cost. And so I have seen so many people that have the best intentions. So Amy stepped into a ministry role. So I'm going to speak ministry talk, but you can put this in any context. If you say that you're going to go to college, you're going to go to grad school, you're going to go to med school. I'm going to get married. I'm going to be a parent. I'm going to adopt a child. There any level up in your life that requires emotional, financial, spiritual, and relational collateral, you have to count the cost. So Amy, bright eyed, bushy tailed. Okay. Now I'm going to tell a story about you, homegirl. Okay. Because so church had just started, the Father's House Orange County had just started and I was in a really crazy season. I mean, this was right before COVID and it felt like I was limping uphill with one leg in the snow and no shoes. Okay. That's what ministry felt like. Building this church felt like that. And I meet you. It's a Sunday night at the Father's House Orange County and we you wait for me in the parking lot, which looking back is a little creeper, but that's okay. It's okay. (laughs) You're like, Hey, do you do mentoring? You know, I'd love to be mentored by you. And I, Amy, I was so tired. I was so exhausted from just ministry in general. Plus I preached that day. Plus we were set up and tear down. We were there for hours and having someone come up to me and say, will you mentor me? It felt like I did not tell you this, but it felt Mm -hmm. like I wanted to say, you don't even know what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I have a lump in my throat thinking about it. So to see you across from me and to have you on the podcast, to have you on staff, to have you on team is a gift. And you were really honest about where you were at in life. And then COVID happened, everything closed down and I didn't see you. And then when we opened back up almost two years later, there you were in the living room of the father's house and you never left. And I'm thinking, huh? okay, let's see. So we had met and we had dreamed and you told me about your, your heart to write and your heart to teach the word of God and, and your heart for this. And you're a digital evangelist and a digital <laughs> missionary and like you're using social media and I'm looking at you and I'm here for it and I love it. But I go back to that question. Do you know what you're asking for? And you said, yes. And you started serving, you started leading. You said, I have a vision for the podcast, for the church. And I asked you again, do you know what, or I'm thinking, I'm thinking, do you know what you're asking for? So then when the role became available and we sat across from each other, that's when I pulled no punches. No longer was I having the conversation in my mind. I was like, okay, we're going to have a grown folk conversation. You yes. feel like you're called to this? Now for you, it was stepping into ministry, but for someone else out there on listening to the podcast, you feel like you're called to adopt a child. You feel you're called to go get your master's. You feel you're called to apply for that job. Honey, you better count the cost. So when I sat across from you, In this conversation, I probably spoke to you at this intensity and rapidity for about 30 minutes. And I just basically said all the bad things that you were about to walk into and embrace. And then I said, if you want to quit, now's the time to do it. So somebody out there is listening thinking like, golly, Bianca is intense. I'm not intense. I just know that there's a cost. So figure let's save ourselves all the heartache, all the stress, all the loss and figure out right now, do I have the cojones to say, yes, am I going to stick this out? Because if you're called, it's going to be hard, but if you're called, you don't quit. You don't quit until the Lord releases you or you pivot into something different. But I love that we get to have this conversation today, Amy, because I didn't know you were going to tell that story. And I just got to put a little color around that story. Yeah. The reason I love that story, Pastor B, is because I don't think that I've ever contemplated so much before stepping into something Mm. because you've already weighed the cost. And that's the heart that I felt from your book that you've weighed the cost. I'm reading it and I feel like I'm having a dialogue in front of you and you're a big sister telling a little sister like, hey, like keep pushing, keep moving forward. And when I read your five questions to ask before quitting, I felt like I was back in that room with you where you were telling me count the cost, where you were telling me how to take things into my own hands, where you were telling me to just be aware. And so I wanted to really bring this to your listeners because at times when we talk about quitting, it's so emotion, emotion driven. It's when we're mad or when we're bitter or when we're done, but we Mm. don't really sit and we don't really contemplate over what we're about to do. And so would you walk us through those questions and, and where they were birthed out from? Okay. So as I'm writing the book, I felt like a little bit hypocritical to be honest with you. So, okay. So here I am writing this book on not quitting, but I look back at the course of my life and there was moments where maybe we don't use the word quit, but there was moments where I I transitioned out of a church or I transitioned out of a ministry or I quit a friendship. So to say, Oh, great. Don't quit. We never quit. No, 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 no. It's that when we transition, when we move out or move along, can we do it well? 
And are we doing it with the right intention? So at two points in the book, uh, the first part, I give a disclaimer. It's actually a line from Kenny Rogers who says, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. This disclaimer that I put in the book is because I, I didn't want people to stay in an abusive relationship or in a relationship where there's been infidelity or a relationship where there's been a breaking of a contract. So there are some caveats that I put. I don't want people to stay in a dysfunctional relationship or business contract or situation or work situation that is not for their best interest. So that's very at the beginning of the book. But then at the end, as I was writing, I was like, I just feel like there will be moments that we have to transition, AKA quit. So how do we quit well? Hmm. And that's how I, so I wrote my editor and I'm like, I just feel like we need to have like a caveat, but I can't write a book about not quitting and then tell people when to quit. And she's like, yes, you can. That's what the appendix is for. So in the appendix, there's actually three segments in the appendix that I wrote for all the things that I wish were in the book, but didn't make the book. And, uh, as I was kind of thinking about quitting, there were five questions and yes, the listeners who are listening to this right now, we're going to give you the content, but not all the content. We're going to give you a little appetizer. We want to whet your appetite because at the end of the day, I do want you to read the book because not quitting is more important to me than quitting. But if you do quit and you're in a season of transition, I want us to transition well. So Amy, I'll throw out the questions and we can go one by one and we can unpack them or I can give them all five at the top. You are the host du jour. So yes. you tell me what you want to do. Let's start with the five at the top because I want to step okay. into another question afterwards. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. She's saucy. I thought She's spicy. Up. I'm already thinking about like the next thing we're talking about. I love it. Okay. So the five questions that I think everyone should ask when they are sensing a, a transition or they're feeling like they want to quit. These are five questions. I will list them and we can unpack them as much as you want, or maybe we spend time on one. But the first question I ask is for us, there's a section in the book where I talk about identifying feelings. So mm -hmm. I have a, a wonderful, amazing counselor who says, Bianca, what's the feeling behind the feeling? And then he'll walk me through, for example, what you're feeling is anger, but what's the feeling behind the feeling? And we'll be able to do a little excavation and realize, oh, the feeling behind the feeling is sadness. I'm sad, but I have to get big and it comes up as angry. So the first thing I want people to do when they feel like the transition is near or they want to quit is what exactly is frustrating me? You have got to identify what it is. You can't have some sweeping statement. Oh, I'm just tired. No, no, no. You have to identify the emotion or you will get stuck in the emotion. You have to name it. So what exactly is frustrating you about the relationship or about the job or about the calling? Figure that out first. Then the second question I want people to ask is, can I fix this? Now, Really quick, before we just breeze quickly through this question, this one I want to spend some time on because people say, oh, I'm so tired, or no, I have a horrible manager, or that pastor will never change. Fill in the gap. We always have excuses, but instead, I, want, I don't want us to count ourselves out. I want to call us up. Don't count yourself out. Call yourself up. Amy, you've heard me say that so many times. Yeah. In our community, we don't want to call people out. What do we want to do? We call them up. You want to call them up. So mm -hmm. what creative ways can you think in your organization or in that relationship or in that church, can you make a situation better? And then the third question to ask is, and this is a hard one. This is a hard one. Hmm. Is it me? That question, is it me? Because the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter if everything in your life changes. If you are an unhappy person, it doesn't matter if you get a new manager. It doesn't matter if you get a new spouse. It doesn't matter if you get a new job. It doesn't matter if you get a new home or a new church or a new friend. No. If you are unhappy, that's going to be a really, really tough thing to kind of like pivot and transition out of because 
It could be you. So number one is what exactly is frustrating me? Can I fix this? Third question is, is it me? And the fourth, fourth question is, is this a good decision for my future? And I had to put the caveat because people will say, oh, is it a good decision? Make a pros and cons list. Well, sometimes our now, uh, the answers to that question in our now are going to be different for our future. So I love asking the question, is it the best decision for my future? And in doing that, we are forced to count the cost because if it is the best decision for our future, then you got to suck it up right now. If it is the best decision for our future, you got to count the cost if you're saying yes. And then lastly, um, which is my favorite one and one that I recently learned is, am I released? Those are the five questions I want people to ask as they are thinking about transition or quitting or a pivot in life. Okay. So when you frame these questions, you started with this, you actually said that this is to be strategic and not emotionally driven. (laughs) And I stayed with that for so long because if I'm not an emotional person, I don't know what I am. I never (laughs) think strategically. I always think emotionally. And I sat with that. And I I know that you wrote this from a place of you've personally gone through this. You've personally faced this and you've seen other people face it. How can we untangle our feelings in all of this? Because there's feelings in all of this and quitting. How do we untangle our feelings and just be strategic when it actually will change. It could, it has the ability to change our rest of our lives. So I love this question, Amy, and I, dang it, I wish I would have included this in the book. Like you, I'm very emotional. And not only am mm-hmm. I very emotional, I'm also very emotive. So the idea of untangling emotions in a decision is very difficult for me. So if there's somebody out there that feels like, hey, cousin, I feel you, here's what the process that I have learned. So the first thing that I do is because I'm so emotional, I have to journal my emotions. So I will literally put a piece of paper and I journal like a prayer. So I I literally will write, dear Jesus, or Jesus, or God, or whatever it is. Like I will always address it like a prayer. And in this prayer, I'm journaling everything. And that in journaling everything, it helps me identify the feeling. And then after that, I will always move to gratitude. So I will list what are the things that I'm feeling and then thank God that he sustained me to this far. There's something, I write about it in the book, but there's something about gratitude that literally has the power to retrain our brain. So I will come with a problem, but then I'm going to come with a praise. I'm going to come with an issue, but then I'm going to come with a gratitude right underneath it. And then the second thing that I like to do is once I've journaled my emotions, maybe, maybe, gosh, this is going to sound hyper-spiritual. And if someone who's listening out there is not a person of faith, you could skip this step. But for me personally, I'll go to the word of God. I feel like I have to use the word of God almost like a sounding board. Is there something in my daily reading that God could speak to me this about? So first is journal, then it's the word of God. And then I'm always going to have a trusted, I would call it my trusted three. So there is somebody who's older than me, somebody who has gone through what I'm processing and someone who is a peer that can be a peer, but loves me no more than three because too many opinions gets very complicated. And we can't all just ask our peers because our peers are going through the same thing that we're going through. And sometimes they might not have insight to the issues that we're dealing with. So someone older and wiser, guess what? They've lived a lot of life. Someone who's gone through what I'm experiencing, they have a lot of experience and someone who's a peer and someone who's for me, they're going to hold me accountable with this decision and also speak into whether or not I'm making this decision in a decision of health or I'm an emotional wreck, an emotional basket case, and I just want to tap the quit button, throw in the towel, walk away. So 
That's my rubric. Um, I also like threes. So if you notice, I have three people and three things that I do. It's so geeky. It's, it's so It's the preacher geeky. in you. It's the preacher it in is. you. It is. It is. <laughs> and that's what close out the sermon. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. And it's like, there's three more things I want to do. At the count of three, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you actually said this in your message at Transformation, and that's why it hit. You okay. said that faith and frustration can coexist, but don't let your frustration rob your faith. Yes. And so I feel that in in Christian circles or or however you want to call it, sometimes there's so much shame around feelings when it's never it's never a bad thing to have feelings. But you, what what I'm hearing you say is work out your feelings before you make decisions. Is that correct? Oh, I couldn't I couldn't have said it any shorter or quicker. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I also want to ask you this, Pastor B. My favorite question that you asked, and it's because it caused a lot of self reflection, is isn't me. And, mm. okay, here's why. I feel that a lot of times when we talk about is it me, we don't like to blame ourselves. We like to blame everything else. Everyone else, And yeah. you write this in your book. You say, you call us to really be contemplative. And you say, are you the reason that you're unhappy in life? I had my iPad and I slammed it down. And I, <laughs> and I started journaling. And I was like, God, am I the reason? Is it me, Jesus? Like all my people that know the references know what I'm talking about there. Like, is it me, Jesus? Is it really me? And what you're calling us to do is to be aware of ourselves. How can my own lack of self-awareness or our lack of self-awareness get in the way over, get in the way over what God is doing in our here, in our now, yeah. and in our future? Yeah. Mm. So this is a tough one because so much of this is dependent on our willingness to step into self-evaluation. So according to Harvard Business Review, the number one attribute of top performing managers and CEOs isn't where they went to college or how much money they have or their pedigree, their gender, or their ethnicity. The number one attribute of top performing CEOs and managers is self-awareness. So if we are not self-aware, then we won't be able to answer that question honestly. So maybe, maybe there's someone out there that realizes I'm aware of my lack of self-awareness. In a case like that, I would really encourage somebody to meet with a counselor or a licensed therapist. And if that's not within means, no problem, a very trusted older person. I'm cautious of family members because family members will unintentionally have an agenda. So you want to connect with somebody that doesn't have a dog in the fight. If there's somebody older than you who's a mentor is offering you a job, you're probably not going to want to process the good and the bad of that job with that person. Why? Because they have an agenda. So in, in contemplating like, okay, is it me? You have to have people that are willing to be 100% honest with you. So yes. the first is, am I honest with myself? I'm not too sure I'm honest with myself. How do I know if I'm honest with myself? I make a list of all my shortcomings and run it by some trusted friends. And if there's still some more where you're like, maybe I'm not seeing it, that's when I would bring in uh, a mentor, a, a close friend. You know, it's so funny. So I, listeners of the podcast know that I like the Enneagram. I study the Enneagram. Now, a lot of people are like, that's witchcraft. My little sister says it's like the Christian horoscope. And I'm like, whatever, it's just a tool. I'm not saying it's the gospel, okay? Like it just helps me understand the world a little bit better. One of my favorite things is sitting with somebody and doing the Enneagram test with them to see if they're aware or unaware. I mean, now, now I'm telling all my dirty secrets because I like to sit with them and see how they answer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, th that's definitely not you or whatever. So I we think answer sometimes- We answer the best version of ourselves. 
That's how we answer how we would want to be. Literally, that's exactly what it is. So the question of, you know, is it me? I don't know if we're, if we have the self-awareness to answer that honestly. So I would list out the things that are me, that I'm aware of the spots that I see, and then bring someone else in, a trusted friend, a sibling, because you know your siblings are not going to lie. Your siblings are going to tell you and your breath smells. So the question isn't me. It's going to have to require self-evaluation. If you feel like maybe you're not too sure about that, bring a trusted loved one in. And if you don't have that person or you're afraid like there's some deep stuff that you're revealing about yourself and you need help with, hey, bring in a pastor, bring in a therapist, bring in a counselor, someone to help walk through really understanding, is it me? Am I happy? Am I part of the problem and not part of the solution? You know, you really talk uh, at the end about uh, being released or the way that we talk about like when the grace has lifted and it's time to move on to a next season. Mm-hmm. And you know, we're word nerds, Pastor B. You know we're word nerds. We don't, we, we, we like studying the Bible. When I saw the last chapter, when I saw that section, I was like, I don't think the Bible talks too much about quitting or about, you know, dropping <laughs> something. But I think it does talk about, and we've, we've said this, you know, about leaving a season and entering mm-hmm. a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk a lot about leaving well, which I, I feel that's a whole mm. other topic that I would love to dive into, but, um, girl, we need know, another podcast episode yes. because people, people are messy. People are messy. If you yes. leave somewhere, leave well. I love the adage, you know, don't burn bridges. Like you never know when yes. you got to walk, you know, when you got to walk across the other side again, you burn that bridge, honey. Ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh. You say you either leave a hero or a zero. And a lot of the times <laughs> when we're hurt, we say things that we later regret because we're in our, yeah. in our pain. But yeah. I was really interested of, am I released? Be- because mm. we, we have to then untangle, is this something that I want or what God wants for me? Ooh. Is it because I'm done? Or is God still wanting me here? And yeah. so describe how we can know the difference between when it's time to leave a work situation or relationship. Like, how do we know the difference of when to leave and when to stay? Oh, that's so good. Okay. So the reason why I came to this question, am I released? So theologically, I, I'd never heard this word, you know, am I released? It wasn't until I started working um, for a global anti-human trafficking organization. Now, people are very familiar. I hope people are familiar with uh, human trafficking, sex slavery, and just the darkness that comes with that. Mm -hmm. I remember I was working probably around 60, 70 hours a week, and I was having trouble sleeping at night. I was just, I was literally haunted by our survivor stories. It's just very, it was very dark. It was very hard. It was a very hard season. And there were so many times where I just wanted to say, I'm done. Like clearly I'm being tormented at night with nightmares. Clearly this is not for me. Like this, this, and the language that we like to use right now is like, this doesn't serve me. So like Mm. literally we, I I felt like I have excuses. I have excuses. This doesn't serve me. This is tormenting me. Like, no. And, um, I remember one morning I was at the office at like 7am and another uh, coworker was there at the same time. And I, she, she knew that I just was very burdened by this and very heavy by this. And she'd said, but are you released? And I was so confused. I kind of like looked at her blankly. I'm like, is that like a trafficking term? Like, what do you mean? I was like, I, I, what do you mean? She's like, do you feel like the hand of God has released you from this role? And it made me pause and think, and I'm like, I, I don't know. 
And that was what started my journey. That was year two and a half of my six years within the organization. And really, really what it did is that it made me wrestle with, God, are you in this? Do I want to quit because it's hard and I feel like I'm released or are you releasing me? And so uh, how she kind of explained it, it was like that God's hand is on you. Like you can try to leave. It's like that Jonah thing, you know, like Jonah was told he had to go to Nineveh, but he's like, deuces, I'm heading to Tarshish. And guess what? The hand of God was on him. I mean, literally threw him in the mouth of a whale and spin him up on the shore of, of Nineveh. So what, that's what I'm talking about, because I think when, when some people, you can answer all of the questions, you know, is it me? Um, what exactly is frustrating me? Is this the best decision for my life? But this final question, this final question is really dependent on God's timing. So maybe your sensing is true. Maybe you know that, that the season is coming to an end, but is it the right time? And if it is now, then God give me the how. If it's now, God give me the how because you'd want to leave well. I've, I've seen people whose season has come to an end. I actually worked with somebody whose seasons come, had, had come to an end. I saw it. Everyone saw it. I mean, Stevie Wonder who's blind saw it. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone knew that this individual season was done, but she wouldn't let go. And what had happened is that it caused so much turmoil for so many people around. I mean, so many people around where I just feel like, if you would just be honest with yourself, like your heart has changed. Can we be honest? Can we have the, is it me conversation? Because sometimes in good intent, we stay in a church too long. We stay at a job too long. We stay in a friendship too long. When the truth of the matter is, guess what? The expiration date was two years ago, baby. And now like milk, you are smelling sour. I think we could spare ourselves so much if we have honest conversations of like, hey, this is not the place for me anymore. God's hand is lifted. I am released. Love you. Bless you. Champion you. I'm going to go do what God has called me to do. That is how we finish well. I want to talk about how you, what you said right now. You said you started asking that question in year two. I heard you correctly, mm-hmm. right? And it mm-hmm. wasn't until year six. Mm-hmm. How did you know? And I feel like this is the, this is the part that can look different for a lot of people. Mm, but how did you yeah. know it was time? So I don't, I don't naturally think in process, like processes aren't, aren't things that come naturally to me. Looking back retrospectively though, mm-hmm. I think there was a process. And so any way that I could um, make the learning curve easier for any of the podcast listeners mm-hmm. or even people from our church is I love to make things feel a little bit like there's a system, like there's a flow. So for me, it was, I'm asking the questions. I'm identifying, can I fix the problem? So at year two and a half, when I was like sensing this quiet discontent within my soul, what it really was is that it was me, Amy. I felt wildly insecure. I felt so ill-equipped. I didn't know what I was doing. And rather than walking in the humility of saying, I don't know, please help me. I wanted just to be like, I'm done. Okay, clearly I'm, I'm out of my depth. So then asking the question, can I fix this? Really the onus, the responsibility came on me. Mm. Bianca, you have to do the work. If you're going to be talking about this, you're going to be educating people about this. You're going to be putting this out on social media. I managed all external and internal communications for the organization. I had to know what I was talking about. That requires a lot of work and not just my job, but then also the learning of my job. That's hours. So for me, it was, okay, is the problem me? And it really dealt with my insecurity. Can I fix the problem? That meant I had to work really hard and jump on the learning curve as quickly as possible. Identifying 
like what the issues were. And like I mentioned, the issues were my insecurity, fear, frustration, terrified of failing. So desperately wanting to do the best job possible and feeling like no matter what I did, I just came up short. So once those were in alignment and I felt like I found my, my rhythm, my pattern, my cadence, I think it was, I think it's Pastor Craig Rochelle who says, the goal of your job is to work yourself out of the job. Like that's the goal. I think sometimes we go in and we cling to positions. We cling to titles and say, I'm never going to let this go. This becomes our precious that we never want to let go. But if the goal is I want to work myself out of a job, then you're creating opportunities to train other people. I think even as a pastor, like I don't want to be pastoring for the next 30 years. I want to give the church over to somebody. So it starts now, like it's training and equipping people now. So I got to the point in my job where there was three people that I had trained in different areas of the job that I had. And at that time I was actually, my role expanded. So I wasn't just working for A21. I was also working for Propel Woman and I was doing both. And yet within both, I had trained up people and I'm thinking, huh, this job actually is more efficacious because there's more people doing more with more capacity. That was like the first sign that I was like, huh, maybe I've come to accomplish what God has called me to accomplish. The second thing that I'm evaluating is opportunity. Somebody said like, you, you should never quit your job unless you for sure know like your next step. What happens is sometimes we're like, this isn't for me. I'm supposed to leave. And then you leave, but there's no next step. There's no action plan. How do you know if you're released? How do you know if the seasons change? How do you quit? Well, what are you stepping into? It doesn't, you don't have to have, you know, the job contract in front of you, but you probably should have your next best step. You probably should have a financial safety plan. You probably should outwork this with like your family members, your loved ones, or your spouse, because it's answering that question. Is this the best decision for my future? And for me, like the big thing, this was like the big nail in the coffin that I knew that my season was transitioning was I just felt called to the local church. Like I knew I felt called to the local church and we were hosting dinner parties here at our house, food and wine nights. And I realized there's a community that's happening and that there is a church that's being birthed. So for me, all of the questions that I write in the book, it's because I live through them and I believe in that system. So for me, it was, I'm evaluating my insecurities is the problem me. Um, I'm evaluating, can I fix this? That's me stepping up, doing more work outside of my job role just to learn my job. Am I training and equipping people? Have I worked myself out of a job? Is this the best decision for my future? And finally, I got to the point where, I felt released. It didn't mean that it was easy. Like, honestly, I'm not a quitter. Like, clearly I wrote a book on not quitting. I mean, I'm freaking not a quitter, man. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not. And so the idea of having a conversation of saying that this season had changed, I wept. I stood before my boss and I felt like I was abandoning. I felt like I was abandoning. I felt like I was a non-hacker. I felt like I couldn't handle it. I felt like I was letting my team down, but I knew that I knew that I knew that this season had shifted and the Lord was calling me to step into prisons and church planning. And here's the good thing. The fruit is always to tell you if you heard from God or not. Is there fruit from that decision? And I can stand back. I, I transitioned out of A21. Oh, good grief. Like six years ago now. And the fruit is prison campuses, prison initiatives, prison outreaches, and an online and in-person church that the Lord has allowed us to steward. And 
that's the fruit. That's the sign that you did what you were called to do. And now you're doing what the Lord's called you to do now. Thank you for being so honest with that question. Honestly, like when I was reading through that, I felt a lot of shame. I'm going to tell on myself. I felt a lot of shame (laughs) reading through that because there has been instances where I haven't left well. And when you don't leave well, and I'll, and I'll say this, sometimes it's not even your fault that you don't leave well. It just might just be the reaction of, of, of other people. Yeah. But when I left my previous church family where I grew up my whole life, you still feel the sting of not mm-hmm. leaving well. Mm-hmm. And it caused me to have this question, which is where I want to like really like end this off on is, would you say that quitting can be healthy? Is there ever a healthy time to quit? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When two people can look at each other and know that actually, Amy, let's just use, let's use this as a non-ideal hypothetical situation. Let's say, Amy, that, that you've asked your, these questions about your role at church. I want to be- I got a there, Pastor B. I don't- Well, I told because you we're going to work this out. <laughs> we're going to work this out right here. We're going to work this out. And you, you know what we're having right now? We're building a game plan so that yeah. you finish well and we love each other at the end of this. Yes. I mean, you're a loyalist. Um, you're an Enneagram. You say that you're an Enneagram seven, but you're not. You're an Enneagram six. Your wing is seven, but you are not a seven. I'm telling you right now, you are ride or die. You're a loyalist. Mm-hmm. And you, you, you stay for a very long time. And I love that about you. So I hope this does, I hope we never have this conversation, but if we do, I want to be an open-handed leader. If we have this conversation where you come to me and you say, I feel like the Lord is moving me into a different season. I'm going to ask you these five questions. And I know that you're going to have prayed and processed and you are going to seek the Lord on this, the way that we finish well is that I can look back and say, look at all the fruit that we get to witness because of your sacrifice, because of you heeding your call. I see you, I salute you, I thank you, and I want to wish you well. I hope and prophesy in the name of Jesus that whoever comes out of this ministry, that we are able to bless them spiritually, emotionally, and heck, maybe even financially. Because I yeah. know that out of the Father's house, there will be people that will plant churches. I would love to like be the church that's like funding them, that people launch out and do amazing businesses and have amazing endeavors. I would love to be the people that are like, we see you, salute you. Thank you for everything that you've sown into this soil. That's, that's the dream. That would be ideal. But at the very least, I can look at you and say, thank you for the seeds that you've sown in this soil. And that you can look at me and say, thank you for the seeds that you've invested in my life. We got to change the world together. And now we're going to do it moving in the same direction, just in different paths. That would be the dream. That'd be the dream. That is the dream. Pastor B, honestly, thank you for, I'm going to say this. Anytime, whether it was how to have your life not suck or play with fire or this book, I love that you are authentically yourself. And I love that you show us your scars on where you have bled so maybe we can prevent having those same injuries. And when you, when just reading this book, I know that it was written from a place of pain that turned into purpose, from you've faced so much resistance, but you're still resilient. And I just love everything about it. And I want to thank you for even giving us a theology on how to quit. Thank you for showing us that it's okay to not be okay and to also wrestle with God. I feel like we don't talk enough enough about that. So thank you for giving us that. 
Absolutely. What an honor and a privilege it is to sit down with you. Thank you for hosting this episode. For the listeners of the podcast, uh, we always encourage you to leave positive reviews and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We are so excited about what is going on in the podcast and we love being nosy. So where are you listening to the podcast? What are you learning from the podcast? You can go ahead and tag at Bianca Oltoff. Thank you for listening to this podcast and I can't wait to join you again next week.